0: This podcast is taken from the book, Godly Grit, Prepared to Stand, that will be available as a paperback and Kindle ebook on Amazon June the 1st, 2021. The audiobook should be available on Audible in the summer of 2021. Our culture has devolved into an individualistic, self-centered, all-about-me society. We have lost our connection with God, as well as our compass to find our way back to God. We have turned our backs to God and pursued selfish interests with passion and rage. We may still have, in God we trust, stamped on our coinage, but it is gone from our hearts. As a society, we have rushed down this disastrous path as fast as we can and we are a mess. As a disciple of Jesus, if you hope to survive this upheaval, you will need the comfort, guidance, reassurance, and power of the Holy Spirit. Your communication connection to God is through the Holy Spirit, who is present to interpret God's Word and to pray on your behalf. You will need your storehouse filled with the Holy Spirit, This upside-down, crazy world you live in is hurting profoundly and needs your God-given, Holy Spirit-empowered voice. The previous storehouse items have been reworded and adapted with some success in medicine and psychology. After all, they are spiritual laws of living set in place by our Creator. They are the foundation of many self-help programs and 12-step programs to deal with various addictions and psychological issues. Success with these programs is dependent on adherence to these laws plus willpower and accountability. The following are examples of how these laws have been borrowed and used in modern psychology. The spiritual law regarding truth stresses the importance of being honest with yourself and others as a foundation for growth. It is the recognition that there is no room or opportunity for improvement if you are not genuine. The spiritual law regarding confession stresses the need to put honesty into practice. The focus is on the importance of humility and transparency to build willpower. The spiritual law regarding evaluation stresses the importance of not allowing yourself to become complacent. It encourages ongoing assessment on the pathway to recovery. The spiritual law regarding surrender addresses the reality that our problems are more significant than our ability to overcome. It stresses the truth that we need help and that there is added strength in asking for help. The spiritual law regarding redemption stresses the need to see that a change is necessary and that continuing to live in the current manner will be destructive or fatal. The spiritual law regarding restoration stresses the need for forgiveness and apology. It focuses on the significance of personal responsibility and a movement away from the powerless victim role. The spiritual law regarding service stresses the power in giving to others out of gratitude. This law is a potent mechanism and why former addicts run many of the addiction programs. Many of these workers need to help others to stay sober themselves. The spiritual law regarding faith stresses that a belief in a higher power or force greater than you is vital in overcoming your problems. If your problem is bigger than you, you will need a greater strength than yours to overcome the problem. The spiritual law regarding sanctification stresses the importance of never becoming complacent. It focuses on the reality that you are only one weak moment away from a relapse. The secularization of God's laws may produce some behavior change but there is no absolute freedom with this form of pseudo-sanctification. To become the people God intended, we need a complete restoration. This restoration is more than just a change in thought and emotion. It is a change in spirit. Our dead spirit needs resuscitation and that new life can only come from the work and power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Our Spirit is our contact point with God. John 3, verse 6 For the natural realm only gives birth to things that are natural, but the spiritual realm gives birth to supernatural life. Salvation is the quickening of our dead spirit. This rebirth is the pathway to freedom. It is now possible to become who we were created to be. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit if we expect to tear down strongholds, find our God-given voice and stand for his kingdom. The work of the Spirit will not be understood by many. To those whose spirit is still dead, it will sound like insanity, like you have found an invisible imaginary friend. The truth is, the Holy Spirit is a person who is alive and very real. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit, for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. You now have the Spirit of Christ alive within you. Romans 8, verse 9 But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. The Holy Spirit is at work in our lives to guide us, protect us, comfort us, and pray for us. After Jesus rose from the dead, he went to heaven and sent us the Holy Spirit to be our helper. Jesus could not physically be in more than one place at a time, but the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ and is present with all believers. He is in Texas and France at the same time. John 16, verse 7. But here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. A life of faith will have trials and difficulties, and we will need help and encouragement from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is necessary as an encourager during those overwhelming times. The Holy Spirit guides us on the sanctification path. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11 It's true that some of you once lived in those lifestyles, But now you have become purified from sin, made holy, and given a perfect standing before God, all because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and through our union with the Spirit of our God. It was the Holy Spirit who drew us to God and Christ to begin with, and now continues to lead us on our path of holiness. You cannot become holy without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is present in your life to make you more like Christ. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18 We can all draw close to Him with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil we will all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Becoming Christ-like should be our goal. If your goal is self-promotion, you do not have the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who gifts you for ministry. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 7. It is the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute many different varieties of gifts. The Lord Yahweh is one, and He is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as He energizes and activates them. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just Himself, but all. What He has given to you is for you to use to build His kingdom. Lean into Him to find your unique gifts and voice. What we possess are gifts from the Spirit. They are not self-generated. You are on planet Earth at this specific time for a particular purpose, with a unique life experience and voice to give God glory and to build His kingdom. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us hope when all hope seems lost. Romans 15, verse 13. Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance until you radiate with hope. Do you radiate hope? Or do you cast despair? Life is an exhausting battle. At times, it feels like the only direction to swim is upstream. Strongholds need tearing down, the enemy constantly attacks, and there are times when all seems lost. It is easy to lose hope when we get exhausted. We are in desperate need of the Holy Spirit generated hope. The Holy Spirit is the one who imparts love. It is not possible to love as God would have us love without the Holy Spirit. The evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues, it is not performing miracles, it is not prosperity, and it is not proclaiming accurate prophecies. The evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is love. What do others see when they see you? Do they see someone struggling to make a name for themselves, or do they see God's love? I spent the last several years of my medical career as a physician working with individuals struggling with drug and alcohol addiction. I became adept at accurately identifying the physical signs of heroin, methamphetamine, ecstasy, and alcohol. Your countenance, especially your eyes, are quite revealing. Your countenance is powerful and will impact the atmosphere where you are present. What does your countenance say about you? Do others see God's love when you enter a room? Does the atmosphere become more peaceful and pleasant? Romans 5, verses 3-5 But that's not all even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character, and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy, because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The most potent force available to change your world is love. The problem is that it is impossible to define this kind of love. At times, love means giving grace, and at other times, it means applying the law. There is no formula for knowing how to love. Loving is not just giving in, and is not only setting boundaries. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit to know how to dispense God's love with precision. The Holy Spirit teaches and gives us insight. John 14, verse 26. But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name, and he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. The Spirit opens up the meaning of God's Word to make you more like Christ. The Holy Spirit confirms you belong to God. Romans 8, verse 16 For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as He whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. The Spirit's affirming whisper during times of trouble and confusion is vital. Have you heard it? Are you listening for that whisper? Our storehouse needs an area where we can communicate with God. This area is only available through the Holy Spirit. We need to hear God through the Holy Spirit's interpretation of His Word and His gentle whisper. We need to communicate to God through prayer that is guided and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, verse 17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We need the razor-sharp sword of the Spirit to tear down strongholds and defeat the enemy's lies. The sword of the Spirit is both defensive and constructive. It is defensive in that it can be used to defeat the enemy's lies like Jesus did when tempted by Satan in Luke chapter 4. God's Word is truth. John 17, verse 17. Your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth. God's Word is light. Psalm 119, verse 105. Truth's shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. The truth and the light of God's Word come alive through the work of the Holy Spirit. If you are to become what God intended, you will need to wield the Spirit-inspired Word of God to carve your way through the numerous lies of the enemy. The Sword of the Spirit, the living Word of God, is also constructive in that it is a vital part of how we become more Christ-like. We are God's works of art. Ephesians 2, verse 10. We have become His poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny He has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny And the good works we would do to fulfill it. As God's work of art, we are a sculpture and not a painting. Unfortunately, many believers feel they are God's painting. They focus on the outside, adding a little red here and a little blue there, and all looks fine. They see no need to address the inside. As God's sculptures, the Holy Spirit interprets God's Word to our spirit to cut away our flesh and reveal His perfect work of art. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For we have the living Word of God, which is full of energy like a two-mouthed sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. In this sense, the spirit-inspired word is more of a sculptor's chisel than a sword. Michelangelo was a famous painter and sculptor of the Renaissance. He stated that, every block of stone has a statue inside it, and it is the task of the sculptor to discover it. I saw an angel in the marble and carved until I set him free." In the same way, the sword of God's living word will cut away slabs of confining bitterness, rage, selfishness, greed, lust, and covetousness. Some slabs will cut away easier than others. We arrived in this world as a 20-ton block of marble. At salvation, The spirit within that marble came alive, and its heart began to beat. The figure within the marble was still confined, but the figure slowly is freed with time and trials when you invite the Holy Spirit to work. Eventually, the outcome will be a perfect living sculpture of Jesus. His work will not be complete until Jesus returns. But that does not mean we should give up and become complacent. So, humble yourself, seek God, invite the Holy Spirit to bring God's Word alive, and hopefully we will start to see the emergence of Jesus in our lives. Not only do we not know how to love without the Holy Spirit, but we also do not know how to pray without the Holy Spirit. How should we talk to God? What language does He speak? What do we request? Is there a protocol? The Holy Spirit guides our prayers. Romans 8, 26. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weaknesses. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best thing to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. Prayer can be audible and intelligible, audible and unintelligible, silent, or a time of listening. You will want to have room in your storehouse for all types of prayer. For what should we be praying? Paul was near the end of his ministry when he wrote Ephesians. He had experienced a lot of God's power and revelation by this time, and yet he requests prayer for boldness and freedom. He asks that they pray for him and each other. Ephesians 6, verses 18-20 Pray passionately in the Spirit, as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. And pray also that God's revelation would be released through me every time I preach the wonderful mystery of the hope-filled gospel. Yes, pray that I may preach the wonderful news of God's kingdom with bold freedom at every opportunity. Even though I am a chained prisoner, I am His ambassador. We should be asking the Holy Spirit for assistance as we pray for others. This kind of prayer will force you to set aside your all-about-me attitude and begin to focus on what matters to God. Take time to talk to God. Ask Him questions. Look for answers to your questions in His Word. Invite the Holy Spirit to use God's Word to make you more Christ-like. Follow the instructions in Philippians 2, verse 4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Do not just rapidly pray for others. Take time to consider their personal interests. Ask yourself what it is like to be that person. If you find your love for others has grown cold, you will find it starts to warm again if you take time to consider their personal interests. To help with this a little more, I would like to introduce a concept called burden filtering. Your love grows cold because you have become preoccupied with the miseries and concerns of your own life. The pain of life's burdens and demands results in a self-focus which causes our love for others to grow cold rapidly. Following the advice in Philippians 2 verse 4, will begin to warm your compassion. Now, burden filtering is not just thinking about them. It is filtering your thoughts about them through the struggles and strongholds they may be facing. Make a list of the people you are going to consider. The list should include a parent, your spouse or a close friend, someone much younger than you like your child or grandchild, a person of prominence you admire, a homeless person that stands on the street corner with their cardboard sign and a friend. You should also include someone you dislike, like someone who has mocked you or caused an offense. Now take time to consider that person in the light of their struggles. Do they struggle with a sense of isolation and meaninglessness? Are they struggling with their decisions and purpose? Are they struggling with their mortality? Are they spiritually whole? Are they struggling with issues of trust? Are they aware that God loves them? Are you aware of any specific strongholds that are holding them back? Do not use this time to compare their struggles to yours. Assume that their battles are currently more intense and painful than yours. Remember, We are to consider others above ourselves and not less than ourselves. Once you have completed this time of burden filtering, it is time to pray. Start by thanking the Lord for them, thanking Him that He loves them more than you ever could. Thank Him that John 3.16 applies to them as much as it does to you. Ask that the word of God's love come to them and offer yourself to deliver the message of hope. Ask the Lord to prepare your words and provide the opportunity. Ask the Lord to bless them. Ask that the Lord send other believers across their path, someone who they will listen to that can guide them to Him. Ask that the scales of doubt, denial, self-centeredness, and spiritual blindness fall from their spiritual eyes ask that the Lord protect them so they may feel the consequences of their life direction but not suffer harm in pursuing that direction. If this burden filtering followed by prayer becomes a regular part of your life, you will find you start to see others as God sees them and your compassion will warm. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you pray and love others. The Holy Spirit should infuse every element in your storehouse. You now have a foundation for ongoing growth and a process for increasing your godly grip. It is now time to stand.